It's Friday, February 11th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, a show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 239. How's it going, fellas? What up? Yo. Good uh, morning. What up? Uh, it's going good, just in general. Uh, my daughter once again woke me woke me up this morning, terrifying me, telling me she was awake. I'm um, awake. Yeah, she... Uh, she does a really good job of like interpreting what the the girl from the ring would sound like if she spoke during the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's absolutely terrifying seeing just like her silhouette in the night when she does that to to wake me up. So it's great, wonderful. Gotta love three year olds. My mom likes to recount uh, stories of when I was in elementary school and I would wake her up like leaning over her on the bed, like, Mama, I think I'm gonna throw up. She's <laughs> like, run in the bathroom, what are you doing? <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Good times. We got to get right into it. Uh, Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Cool. Uh, slow start this morning. So I caught right the beginning of this, but. Dude, you were perfect. Perfect today. timing coming into the, you did. Into the, to the yeah, show. My, okay. My timing is excellent. Thanks. Coffee in hand. I'm ready. Today's yesterday <laughs> in tech history. These aren't going to be easy, gentlemen. Okay. They're not going to be easy. Yesterday's today. Today's yesterday in tech history. No, oh, yesterday's, yesterday's today in tech history. Yesterday's today. Right. Come right. on, See, bro. I've already How long have we been doing this? Important. I've already messed Very, it up. I've we've already been doing messed it up. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's it's those days when we actually have a today in tech history. It just it messes everything up. A computer defeats a world chess champion for the first time. Ooh. What year? Nerve God. Oh man, I don't remember what oh. year, but I remember when it happened. So hey, computer, touch. Like this is chess, not go. <laughs> my, my Alexa is triggered by that word. Yeah, go I, go I as much later. Alexa. Yeah. Uh, um, was it? I remember I'm reading about with, it, but I don't remember it happening in real time, which makes me think it's the '80s. Ooh, I'm not going that far back, even though I love the '80s. I'm gonna go with. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm going 2006. Okay. Oh, I'm not. I'm going to go with like, oh, man, you could be right. Early 2000s. I'm going to go with 93. 96. Yeah. Cheater. All right. Here's another one. <laughs> your, your brain works different than mine. <laughs> the uh, spacecraft Galileo <laughs> flies by Venus on its way to Jupiter. Galileo used the flyby of Venus along with two flybys of Earth as a gravitational slingshot in order to reach Jupiter with the least amount of fuel. I don't. Uh, there were so many oh my awesome satellites. Dude, I just triggered yeah. my watch as well. This is ridiculous. Stop triggering. Question okay. I, <laughs> I'm going with the first date that jumped into my head because I don't know when Galileo launched, but the first date that jumped into my head was 76. So I'm going with 76. Okay. I'm going to pull a normal rest. I'm going to say like 82. 1990. Oh, God. This is a bad start to the day. Last one. The communication satellites Iridium 33 and Cosmos 2251 collide in orbit, destroying both in spectacular fashion. This is the first major collision of satellites in Earth orbit. I have zero recollection of that. I remember. I don't know those names either. In, uh, I remember it happening in 1997, so that's my final answer. <laughs> Uh, well, I would have to go with 96 because I have no recollection of that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I literally, I, <laughs> no, I, I don't remember that in the slightest. 
That's funny. Oh, man. Well, and it sounds like it was pretty cool, too, in a bad way. Yeah. T- today, I learned that I was clairvoyant in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you all saw the Starlink satellites, right? I did. That's yeah. so sad. I mean, yeah. sad. It, I guess sad's the wrong word. I'm I'm sad because the technology is neat. I'm not sad for a mega corporation. I am sure that lots of people are super disappointed with that. But they lost what, like, thirty out of forty or forty out of fifty satellites, basically, to a sun sunstorm, which is it sounds yeah. like straight 40, out of a comic book. Yeah, forty out of forty nine. Forty nine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I remember it being. Yeah. Anyways, roughly. That's a lot. That's a ton of a payload to lose. I saw one uh, estimated calculation. They thought that was about $10 billion worth of uh, payload, not not accounting for any costs for launching it either. And uh, obviously, it sets it back. And I think, I think the disappointing thing, uh, other than just being fascinated that a, a sunstorm effectively caused that much of an issue, it makes me wonder, like, is that just a launch? Were they getting into position thing? Or every once in a while, are we just going to lose Starlink satellites because of how low their orbit is and how susceptible they are to that stuff? But yeah. uh, I, I know a lot of people that are waiting for Starlink service in more remote me. parts of the United States. Yeah, you're looking at, at the 100 Acre Wood, uh, my boss down uh, down in uh, a little further south, but way outside of the city, he's he's looking for Starlink. And so lots of people are waiting. There, there's a bunch of people hoping that Starlink will address like RV life, uh, consistent high-speed internet connections, um, which they have not promised at all, by the way. It's just something that people are hoping speculatively will work out. And so it sucks to see them set back at all. What's wild about this is the solar storm, the coronal mass ejection that happened, was on the 29th of January, and the rocket didn't launch into orbit until February 3rd. 29th, well, I mean, it certainly yeah. didn't take... Well, I wonder, does does all of the various... I would expect so. It's got all, it, all the stuff that would mess that up would be uh, E&M stuff, and that's all. Well, yeah, so that's basically that's kind of what it was. Light, so it's only Well, it minutes. made me wonder if we observed it happening, uh, because the Space Weather Prediction Center a division of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They rated the mm-hmm. storm as a two on a scale of one to five, calling it moderate. But the catch there is the tidal wave of charged particles was expected to reach mm-hmm. Earth on February 2nd or 3rd, just as oh, SpaceX so was now. planning its Starlink launch. Like, I don't know what? why that, they didn't that... just stop or they just said, yeah. eh, maybe it won't happen. They, they may not have realized just how susceptible the satellites were, which is, I don't know. That I think that's probably me, more likely usually... it. Yeah, well, it's it interesting it. though. Usually, we're pretty on top of that kind of stuff. I mean, we're we, we've been throwing stuff up into orbit for a while now. That's actually really interesting because that means that the the charged oh, particles that were moving were moving an awful lot slower than the speed of light. Well, this I mean, is I guess they're just cool. they're massive then. So crazy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. They. Yeah. Moving a lot slower than the speed of light because gets light. Yeah. Well, it took days. I'm just. That I'm curious which. Thing. I, I literally I would very much like to know which particles were kind of responsible for all the damage then which uh, which little buggers yeah so it says uh, SpaceX was aware of the problem as soon as the 49 satellites reached space and attempted to ride out the storm positioning the relatively flat shaped spacecraft mm-hmm. edge forward to minimize air resistance that is super cool that is super, that is super cool. cool it said the Starlink team commanded the satellites into a safe mode where they would fly edge on like a sheet of paper to minimize drag to effectively take cover from the storm 
That's but in so this case, cool. physics has a bigger vote than SpaceX, and the safe mode maneuver worked for only nine of the fleet of 49. The wow. others were effectively clawed out of the sky and are already re-entering the atmosphere, or will begin to do so by the end of the week. I need an XACD what-if hand-drawn depiction of what was happening to the satellites, though I yeah. assume it was lots of tiny little holes being chewed up by radiation, basically. Well, dude, and I wonder, Yay, too. Yay, atmosphere. There's almost 2,000 of them up there, and they're planning on putting 40,000, if I remember correctly. It didn't say in this article, but I was looking at um, that, this that's, previously. Like, that's a, that's a lot. Because they, like, they're, they're like running in a chain, and if the only ones that were impacted by that storm were the ones that were part of this launch, I wonder if it is just more, or they are more susceptible to that kind of event in like a transitional period as they're getting in place. As opposed to when they're finally up there. Because, I, I mean, I haven't heard, and maybe it's just because it hasn't been a mass event. Maybe they have lost a number of satellites to normal, just sun chatter, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But I, I haven't heard of Starlink losing a bunch of satellites uh, until this event. So mm -hmm. is it, I, I, I would, I want to know more. I would like to know more about all of that, actually. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll, uh, we'll look it up. What else y'all got? I have, uh, I, have, I have two things. Um, one thing that's interesting. So obviously, uh, it turns out the tech industry generates a significant amount of revenue. I don't know if you guys were aware or not, but it does. It. Um, it's a thing. So uh, obviously, some reporting's happened recently. We're, we're doing a miniature version of Financial Friday. Can't do actual Financial Friday because John is not here. However, what's interesting is, is uh, in 2021, the amount of growth in the tech industry for like big tech in general was unbelievable. And that even includes Facebook, which apparently had all of these losses and yet somehow cracked $100 billion in <laughs> revenue for the very first time. So it's just, uh, it's remarkable. If you, if you look at this sort of like stacked graph, of they just show all of them stacked together. In 2020, they passed 1 trillion combined between Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, and then they include Tesla in this, which is interesting. Um, One trillion in, in revenue, in in like actual revenue, like not yeah. not valuation, but yeah, if, yeah, if you not, if, not if you stack them on top of each other, just they're yeah. showing the total between these. I guess it's six companies now. Uh, Tesla is the by far the smallest, dramatically sure. so of of all of these, but they are on it. Um, and it looks like it's funny they they just crossed the one trillion mark in 2020, and in 2021 they are. It is the biggest growth year out of right. any year since 2009 to 2010. Wow. So wild. Dude, that's which, Yeah, it's pretty I can't see the they they don't granularly show the numbers but it's in 2009 to 2010, obviously a much smaller number. It probably went from roughly 100 billion combined, call it <clears throat> call it 12021 Facebook to mm -hmm. um maybe 200 ish, maybe maybe 230 billion and then that was the like what looked like the big this is the biggest like percentage jump it shows but still the biggest dollar jump and, and widest gap overall is from 2020 which had already crossed one billion or one trillion to 2021 it is wild yeah. we know how much it is, is. Right? we know what it is it's investing the in the metaverse NF nfts and web3 uh straight up yeah it's of different. course it's it's, it's web3 it's dropping all three. of this 
<laughs> so yeah, anyways, um, big numbers, even from uh, even from the companies that are sort of being celebrated as losing, are winning dramatically. You know, um, this this upsell. goes back to Russ. I know you weren't on the call where I went off on it, but um, Facebook. I think the extreme market reaction to not having user base growth is a little unhinged from the reality of the fact that they print money. They're doing <laughs> yeah. great. They are they're making dollars off of all of their users and they have all of the users. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you you don't get all seven and a half billion people or whatever it is. It's un it it is completely unreasonable in my mind to treat or to have been treating in recent history Facebook like a growth company. It's not a growth company anymore. Yeah, they had um, three billion users before they lost their first one. <laughs> so, oh, no. So, so consider that for a moment. I um, know. It's just it's had, crazy. It's almost half the planet uh, were, were using Facebook monthly. Um, before they yeah. lost a singular one, so and I, I just can't I can't wrap my head around how how the news of no longer adding new users when you have over three billion active users, how that is responsible for a thirty percent whack to your market cap. It, it, and it's I, just again, go go buy Facebook before it goes back up to its all time highs, right? Yeah, there's there's this struggle that I have with the street, man. Um, there's this never-ending requirement for growth that is just yeah. unbelievable. Like if you look at even like Netflix, for example, like at some point in time, their subscriber growth just isn't going to yeah. continue to happen. It's not going to go up, and it's not. It's not going to go up, regardless of competition in the market or anything else. Like they will have peaked at a subscriber amount at some point, and that's okay. What's more important is for whoever's running that business to have created and established a healthy business can, that can operate yeah. profitably at the user amount, plus or minus X amount percent that will happen with normal attrition rates. But yeah, we don't I, measure them I, that I, way in the public. It's so strange. <laughs> exactly. It's so, so dumb. True. It is. It's dumb. It is, it is very dumb. And the, the only... I mean, I know that it's not anchored in anything real or fundamental to have that big of a, a loss in Facebook's case, right? Netflix got hammered for their growth numbers, not reflecting what the street thought they should be too. It's it's not certainly isn't the first time, but the whole idea of a, a stock price is that it's supposed to be the the discounted value of future streams, and so if if it goes down thirty percent because of the first report that said they didn't add users and they have half the planet, then what what the dollars were saying economically is that uh oh we were way off and we thought for sure they were going to get all the people and so yeah. we better better write real that back like no what <laughs> it's amazing to me because if you think about like the per head monetization available to them even even having all of the users and i recognize every user has a certain amount of value but there's just an unbelievable amount of users on the planet who struggle to have access to internet and if they right. struggle to have access to internet 
and part of your goal is getting all of these users and you end up getting them, what is their true value to your advertisers that you're working Dollars with? Dollars and like, cents, yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, how does the dollar per head work once you start, you know, servicing? Not saying anything about this particular demographic. No, no. Just saying once you're servicing them, where is the dollar per head value actually going to go there? It's almost like that should be a negative value because the cost taken for customer acquisition at that yeah. point almost becomes more be than higher. the value they can bring you. Yeah, exactly. So right. I don't know. It's just a, it's yeah. an odd way to think about, you know, the value of a company that's bringing in over $100 billion of revenue. You know, it's just <laughs> <Right>. insane. <laughs> well, so are we doubling that, that down actually, on Daniel's, Daniel's call to buy Facebook? Is that what we're saying right now? Uh, yeah, I back uh, him up there. Yeah. Uh, all you, day, every sure. day. If you, look back, if you look back at the history of Facebook stock back to, you know, mid-2012, it's basically just straight it. hill climb, just straight hill climb, right? Uh, but the last time it was down to these levels in that process was summer of 2018. So right now you can buy Facebook's pricing back in 2018. Yeah, that's, that's how much of a and dramatic I, and pullback it is. I don't think it's realistic. That is significant opportunity. Of, yeah. yeah, and and it, I don't know if you guys remember. Um, you you may not have been as plugged into it. I I when I bought Facebook, it was actually in the 2012 uh, range. And I remember reading a lot about the skepticism that they would even find a way to monetize their users. So uh, if, if you rewound well. the clock right to 2012, they IPO'd and there was a ton of hate that just came out and said, it's, it's just another social network, just like MySpace, it's going to go away. They don't have a way to make money off their users. And, and again, if you go and you look at that little slice of time, IPO at the few months after, they actually tanked. They IPO'd at like 30-something, if I remember correctly, or roughly that range. They dropped all the way down to like the teens. And then they went to the freaking moon. <laughs> yeah, yep. no, you're absolutely um, right. That, that happened exactly. It went down to like 15, 17 bucks, something like that. Mm -hmm. So can we go back down to that, by the this, way? I'd be curious. Yeah, we, right. <laughs> I think I think if it gets to seventeen dollars, uh, it will probably no longer be a strong buy. <laughs> can we just get there for tweet. like a 30 minutes and let me see it and it can go right back up to wherever it is? Like that's that's all I'm asking. All right. <laughs> yeah, right. Just just give me a minute. Or a Facebook machine. is the Facebook is the type of buy you'll get the chance to tell your kids about someday. Kids, I bought Facebook at $220 a share. Oh wow, what's Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Uh, uh, you're in it right now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you've never seen only, me. In, the only right, way I integrate with you, <laughs> interface with you. Gosh, there's so much. Uh, I have a question for y'all. Seen is this crazy cringe? Yeah, hit me. Uh, Samsung. You guys know the company. Um, they make TVs, never heard of phones, them. stuff like that. Who? Um, never heard of her. They, uh, uh, well, she's, she's probably not worth any money doing billions of dollars in revenue either. So probably just a, you know, downward spiraling company, mm. but the, um, they released a phone, maybe three or so it's the first time they've ever done it. The, the galaxy S 22, yeah, 22 plus like 22 ultra, ultra. um, phones. <clears throat> Yeah, it's always a barrage of phones with them. Tyler, Tyler, I know you were a fan yeah. of the Note series, had one for a while. Yeah. Uh, Note, Note that went my, away. I, I saw a little note that the S22 Ultra is basically a Note in it, disguise. It is now, a Note. Though, so. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is literally uh, a Galaxy <laughs> Note. Uh, it has the S10 and everything included inside <laughs> of it. Hilarious. But here's, yeah, here's my question. Sure. 
I, I bought a new phone recently from Google, who I hate. Uh, Tyler also did. I'm not per- someone someone who normally buys phones like every year. All the last few years, I've done it, which is weird. Like phones recently have been relatively boring. But if you think of like phones ten years ago, when it sort yeah. of made sense, people were buying them Pretty every year. I never did. I, I never did. You know. Yeah. Why do I want this phone? That's my question yeah. to you. Because I want the S22 Plus, and I don't know why. I even put it in a cart yesterday and looked, and they're giving stuff away, man. Like, the phone is $1,000, and I can put the phone in there, put the Tab S8, which, by the way, I have the Tab S7 in there, and I can trade mine in with my old Pixel 3. And between a bundled purchase discount that i didn't even know was a thing which makes me want this more and way to go and the trade-in it's like eleven hundred dollars shipped to me for the 256 gig s22 plus which would normally be its price plus the 256 gig tab s8 with a case uh, attached to it as well so i would literally get all of these things for basically the price of the phone itself which i do not need any of these things but i (laughs) I, for some reason, want to buy them. Why? Someone tell me why that is. Because. I mean, all I can say, all I know success. about it is. <laughs> probably Facebook. <laughs> success. Wait, what? Did you say it tastes <laughs> Probably good? Facebook. Facebook. No, probably Facebook. Oh, <laughs> so, it's like, extremely what? successful advertising, and they've trained us to, to need whatever the new thing is. No, I'll say the only thing I know about it, I saw somebody tweet out the other day, and I follow some YouTubers, and occasionally... Um, well, they'll, they'll publish a poll or they'll publish a couple photos because they're posting a video and thumbnails are very, um, powerful on, uh, on, on YouTube to get clicks and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And so I thought it was one of those, I thought it was one of those, Hey, which of these should I, should I do? But I realized that this selfie that he was taking, it was just kind of in his office. Like it was the top of a monitor or something like that, looking at him, but it was actually labeled after I after my brain picked the best one, one of them was a Samsung S22, and one of them was an iPhone 13. I was like, "Oh, clearly you should pick that photo." And then I saw it's labeled, and I was like, "Wow, it's got a good camera." I thought it was clearly better. That's my only for input. The, for, I don't know anything S, else for the S22. S22. Yeah, the S22 yeah. photo was significantly <clears throat> so, better in my mind. Well, that's all. And, I and there, it's a iPhone 13, even when the iPhone 13 came out, I was putting that thing in a cart. Like I wanted that too. I wanted that. I wanted the <laughs> pixel. I wanted this. And I've never, and I've never been the person who wanted all the phones, even all the things in general. Like I'm, my wife makes fun of me in general for like keeping things forever. I mean, I had a chair that was like 20 years old until I recently bought a new one because my back was hurting. <laughs> so like, I just keep things for a long time. And so for whatever reason, though, I want these. And so, yeah, the, I mean, the cameras are better. I mean, if I look at it, I do spec for, versus my own phone, especially front camera, which is probably where the selfie was taken, dramatically better. Samsung's hardware is very difficult to beat. And they've they made a flat screen phone, which is nice for once. Yeah, um, so that's, way to go. that's valuable. I also like... Like if you look at the minute differences between the phones, like for instance, the aspect ratio of the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro, the, the phones that Tyler and I have, it's like a 20 by 9, and the and the uh, aspect ratio of the Galaxy S series is 19 by fi- 19.5 by 9. And I think the iPhones are the same. Um, one thing that has bothered me about phones in the last few years is they've, they've been getting taller and skinnier. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the more, I'd prefer like 18 by nine, to be honest. I think that would be like a perfect aspect ratio, but no one's, I don't think anyone's going back to that. And so the, 
the 19.5 by nine seems to be about the most compact and in, in, in width that we're going to get out of this thing for, for the screen sizes. And so I like that aspect ratio compared to mine here. And I seriously was looking at that and I was trying to convince myself, I'm like, but the aspect ratio is better. So I should spend $1,100 and, and do this. That makes perfect logical sense that yeah. no one could ever tell me was wrong. And then I thought you're, to myself, right, oh, though. This, is, this is insane to me. Like, why am I so doing this? The display difference uh, is a 6.8 inch. So it's 3088 by 1440 versus the iPhone 13 Pro Max, which is a 6.7 inch. And it's 2778 by 1284. Uh, and then you've also got better pixel density, 501 versus 458. Um, yeah, dimensions, let's see. It's a little, well, it looks like the width is about the same. But anyway, no, so help, help me out. Screen's better. Russ, maybe, maybe you don't know why, uh, Aaron. Obviously oh, geez. Hold on. Too, Sorry. One second. Know, but... Sorry. Front facing camera, yeah, 40 megapixels versus 12. That's why yeah. it was a better photo. <laughs> That was, wow. That's the Ultra, right? That's not like the normal S22. Yeah, yeah, that's the okay. S22. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. We're not talking just, about just, the Ultra. Just, not... well, no, I mean, we talk about any of them. I'm just pointing out. I'm just okay. curious about because I, I didn't know the spec difference. The Ultras are always the... like some crazy, you know, oh, okay. difference of like hardware. Um, I'm just comparing yeah, the, the Ultras the have like eight cameras on the front. What's going on yeah. with those phones? On the back, cool. they have like a, a 108 back, sorry, megapixel back, yeah. camera that has like a 10x zoom or something nice. i mean is like it it's... 10 or is it more because i feel like last generation they actually had like 20x zooms and maybe I'm it's not more. gonna lie it, it kicks the pixels butt for zoom yeah pixels what four three yeah, yeah it's four and then they do some clever stuff but i i have felt like the pixel pro um google's ai for fixing zoomed images is really aggressive so when you zoom in and you try mm, to take yeah. a picture it does some like crazy aggressive sharpening and stuff and it uh i don't think it looks nearly as clean as uh, so you're endorsing like you're endorsing me making this purchase it's obviously the most logical right. thing to do that's i'm that's, sure that's what you're that's waiting what i'm getting <laughs> yeah, it was yeah a hundred percent. So, well, life. you're you know doing the plus, not the ultra, right? Why, why, uh, why not the ultra? So here's the weirdest thing about that. I like how the corners are rounded. Ha! <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you, it's like gotten down to these weird, nuancey <laughs> things about the phones that make. Also, because like my Pixel Five had that was designed like that, and the Pixel Six and Six Pro are a little bit more squared off. And Dude, you're hitting on reason, exactly like why you're you're hitting on exactly why Apple can resell an entire yeah. line of phones with no changes other than just taking the edges from rounded to it's squared absurd. or squared to rounded. I, you're exactly right, hundred percent. That's exactly why yeah. they can do it. Because people are like, oh, I yeah. wanted that. I this phone, need the and I'm buy that. corners. Yeah, <laughs> or it's like nostalgic. They want the they want the you know the uh, the squared off edges like the the iPhone four Dude. or something, right? Okay, so looking at this, and, and here's the question I was about to pose to, to the two of you is, why all of a sudden are, are phones seeing like the 10-year-old massive discount thing happening? Now, they're, they're all based on trade-ins, but trade-ins can't be that valuable. When, when, I, when I bought what the ten year old myself, and when I, so if you rewind the clock about a decade, I feel like I'm probably not too mm -hmm. far off on that. Maybe it was a little before that. 
But when you went to go buy a phone from a carrier, there used to be massive proportional discounts for getting good phones. Not they, It wasn't just like the cheapest Android was what came free with the plan. You could get like the flagship iPhone or the flagship Samsung device with yeah, uh, like a really significant discount. And then you'd just be locked into a two-year term. Those like entirely went away. Then the two-year terms came back without the discounts. And then all of a sudden, this season right here, 2021, 2022, we're seeing like five to $800 credits for broke-ass phones being shipped in for trade-ins. And, I, and I, I think, I'm trying to figure out where this came from. So I think it's two things. One, if you've noticed the way that the uh, carriers have done their contracts now it's like you have to do like when you buy a phone from them they don't even let you do outright purchases now i think no, Verizon it's, it's was the last one doing it yeah it's all over time so that's kind of their new yeah. way of getting and so they're, they're even expanding these terms so now it's like a minimum of or it's i don't know if minimum, i think it's the only term length is 36 months and so oh, i think wow. that i think that one with the, the price of the phones getting dramatically higher and yeah, two them kind of going through this you know this recurring revenue thing through the phones, which by the way, another thing that the street wants to see from people, um, it, it helps them. It improves yeah, them in a, in a lot of ways. So I think that that's, I think wow. that's the driving force behind it over the last few years, but I know what you're talking about, dude. Cause I've, yeah, I've no, seen the just trade in your phone that you bought for $700 and we'll give you 900 for it. Right. And, right. You know, here, but here's, and here's this $1,500 phone for 600 bucks or whatever it is. Right. Like that's, yeah, that's the crazy stuff that. I've seen. I mean, I actually, I actually like ushered my parents through an upgrade late last year or early this year. I guess that's about the time when it happened. But um, because I, I like, I did the math on what they had and what they were going to get, and for like five bucks a month, because they're always going to be on my plan, you know, whatever. For five bucks a month, they're going to have a significant upgrade because their their phones were very long in the tooth, and I was afraid these trade in programs were going to go away. It's like the next phone you need is going to cost more than what you're going to pay for this. So, yeah. so they both got, you know, flab, flagship Google and, and Apple phones now. Cause my mom's uh, the only Apple user in our family, which is funny. Um, but, but I'm looking at this and even directly from Samsung for the S 22 series, you can get yeah. uh, up to a $700 credit for an unlocked phone. Dude, That's I'm telling you, they're giving stuff away for free. That's what I tried to tell people. That's why I need to buy this. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I got to so, go. So, yeah. um, so yeah, you guys no, sit no. here and deliberate on the whole <laughs> Russ is an idiot and is driven heavily by marketing um, by while it. I'm gone. Uh, you but I'll catch y'all later. Got to go. Taking the kid to school. Later, right. dude. Later, later, bro. Yeah, dude, uh, not to beat the dead horse here, but I'm just looking at that. And I, I unlike Russ, have no interest in getting a new phone because I just got this one and I will probably hold on to it until it is very old. But um, it is it is crazy. It is crazy that you can get a very expensive, very capable phone for roughly half off, unlocked directly from Samsung. Um, you know, he was talking about the bundle discounts and playing paying a hundred or what was it, eleven eleven hundred bucks or whatever. But you can actually get mm -hmm. these phones for about five hundred bucks right now. Um, that's wild. And that's yeah. I mean, I I I certainly can't afford to turn around and buy a five hundred dollar phone every year, but that. That is better than the phone buying market has been for a while, unless I am wildly mistaken. For flagship yeah. phones, for very capable devices, that's cheap. Yeah, I wonder if they're somehow peeling away customers from the iPhone. 
May, may that could be it's aggressive, but but even the iPhone offered some pretty uh, not not as significant trade in wise. Yeah, like I haven't seen anything trade in or whatever they call it. It wasn't yeah. that good, but it wasn't bad either. Like my mom traded in a very old um, eight plus, I think, and mm-hmm. uh, it had a completely wrecked backside. You know, the back glass, which was one of the stupidest Dumb. things that was ever added to yes. phones. Um, back glass was broken, and uh, she still ended up getting like. 300 bucks worth of credit or something like that it was it was substantial yeah uh, so I, I don't know something's the, going on did you already mention the I, s22 ultra looks exactly like the galaxy note 20 ultra no but rusted you said it they yes, just, it's like they just dropped the note it's got the s pen yeah. in it it is literally a note they just dropped the note connotation i don't i guess they, yeah, I that's what I was going to ask because again i don't follow samsung phones that much do, they don't yeah. produce the note anymore do they Apparently not, but okay. they do. It's just called the S22 Ultra. Now it's called the S22 Ultra. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. different hardware. It's literally different hardware. It, it has no business being, you know, just another name on that phone. It yeah. has m- different hardware, more looks... hardware. It's got the pen in it. It's got additional lenses. Like, it's not the same phone. It's really funny that they just decided to make it an S22 and give it a different yeah. moniker. I just dropped it in the chat, though. I mean, it, they look exact. I mean, they look identical. It's crazy. All yeah. right, man. That's that's wild. That's wild. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if we're doing. My other thought too, and I feel like we talked about this when we were going through the little phone upgrade thing. Is I wonder if there is a some kind of rebate or funding, something like that, for getting all of your users off of the old network standards. Because I could totally see. I bet if I bet if we um, went and poured through the bills dude. that have been in the telco industry right now, getting people yeah. to five G is probably very financially viable. It may may not even be like a government incentive. It could just be once no, that's gone, you can auction off those bands and you can drop support for three telco and 4G. providers. Yeah. Yeah. So so they're they're probably incented to just get people off the old yes. standards. And so they're offering, you know, some sweet upgrade deals to get all of that old stuff out. And because the phones are actually going to the users and and because it, it's trade-in program, right? Yeah. Um, yep. as opposed to going to the used market, it means that they can ship it probably to an, a country that's still going to continue using that standard for a while. Which yeah, honestly, I hope that's what they're doing instead of trashing them. Um, but yeah. then uh, I feel like they should highlight that if it's true, because I, I don't know. I'm all for recycling that way. Um, Dude, I think you're sense. spot on, though. I think you're spot on, because I think a lot of those radio towers um, are, are so, so much of the telecom industry is behind in terms of like when you think about the, the oh, gosh, IT yeah. infrastructure, like in the data center, virtualization and all that kind of fun stuff. And I think there's a lot of aspects of how the radios are, are, um, um, are, are done where... <laughs> The technology at the station is has to be built to handle the maximum amount of of uh, of possible connections at any point, rather yeah, than being able to scale. You know, like you know, spinning up containers and opening more services, all virtualized and all that sure, kind of fun stuff. Shutting stuff down. And if they but, have to do that across me, multiple bands and different types of connectivity and all that kind of stuff, yeah, the more they can push people into uh, modernization, then the easier that gets. Because especially if they start virtualizing and, and scaling on the fly with the newer stuff. Yeah. It just, it, it's going to be a moneymaker for I, them. That's interesting. I guess I'm surprised a little bit. You probably know a lot more about it because you've been closer to the telco, um, you know, from an IT perspective in the last couple of years. But um, In the last six months, you mean? I, 
Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Shorter. No, time time dilates. It feels forever. But what I was going to say is, I guess I'm surprised because the first time I heard about network uh, function virtualization was probably like seven or seven or eight years ago. Um, Maybe just just over that even. because my my dad was actually working for he's a, a tax accountant but uh, or was he's retired now um, he was working for a company yeah. called GenBand and they were they were working with uh, I guess providers and telco for uh, you know producing sort of the hardware the service and I don't know the intimate details but they were doing network function virtualization then and it's been, it's been like really? a decade and hearing hearing well they were they hearing were on the cusp it, I yeah. think they were. They were they were trying to I think they were more trying to figure it out than than like killing it. Um, but, yeah. but that's when it was like sort of the 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 first time I heard about it was almost a decade ago. And to hear you say that they're still so far behind and that they can't scale that way, it just I, I guess I forget sometimes just how ridiculous of an undertaking it would be to go and fix yeah. all of the thousands and thousands and thousands of of cell towers. Well, you have to think about it. Stations. Yeah, and you have to think about it in terms of if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of a deal. Sure. Because if, well, if services go down, no, I know. <laughs> but if services go down, then they get penalized yeah. massively. Yeah, right? because oh, that's, that's, a, they, that's they an emergency. Yeah, that's an emergency. That's a good point. Um, connectivity um, downtime, you know, yeah. for, for citizens and all that kind of stuff. So they get fined massively yeah. for every minute that they're down. So oh, if it works, why change it? Yeah, you know, okay, fair enough. That's why it's that's why it's so far behind. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I hadn't yeah. really considered the, and that's that's one of those where that's I why think you have like the banks running mainframes and Vmax. Everybody's and heart stuff, was you know? in the right. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's heart was in the right place when they you know put those fines in places to make sure that they didn't do silly stuff to cause downtime. But it does. It does end up being a hindrance to moving forward and of course the irony is is that newer stuff in some cases is more scalable more affordable more cost effective more uh, provides better service to the end user and potentially is more available because it was architected differently and they can't make those changes and and they've kind of gotten used not to right it's not like they mm-hmm. are, are projecting costs or forecasting costs associated with major upgrades because they basically yeah. know they can't do it so why would you plan for that Right, but when you do those those NFV type things, then you can do some really cool stuff that you could never feasibly or realistically or reasonably do with physical things, right? Like what what VMware NSX does with uh, with firewalls, right? It wouldn't make sense to load, you know, uh, physical firewalls in between every bit of east west traffic within a data center, but you can just you know snap your fingers and boom, virtually it's there. So it's super cool. Yeah. No. Oh, man. What else is out there? All right. I don't, I, I this is in the news, man. I've got. I feel like there was so much. Like, did we? We didn't talk about. Yep. I've been reading my news. Yeah. We didn't talk about the um, the uh, ninety-two thousand Bitcoin that was quote unquote. Oh, that hacked. That hacked or stolen. Hacked by that couple. Um, was the goofiest story like ever, and the, the only rundown. reasonable thing. I, oh, I skimmed it. You can't. You I can't even remember their names. Well. Yeah, but one of them was like a Forbes contributor. Um, mm-hmm. Like these people were well known, and it was a. So it, I guess it was a. It was a couple, and uh, the woman was like a TikTok rapper or something, and it was so cringe, unbelievable. But the the thing, like 
you know, everyone's like, how in the world did these people do this? And this was, this was 2016. Um, they hacked an exchange and, and took, uh, I think it was like 2000 transactions. Wow. They just kept pulling Bitcoin and they ended up with like, you know, 92,000 of them or something. You know, like that, right? you know what I love about this more than anything else though? It's, yeah. they had billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. And that's yes. disruptive to the Bitcoin community. And it sucked for the people that were, you know, hit and it sucks for the exchange. And honestly, it's bad for Bitcoin in general. But they couldn't spend it because it's yes. Bitcoin. It's right. a public ledger. Everyone's like, watch that yes. wallet. When it sends money, go find exactly. out where it went. Like it was inevitable that they were going yes. to get caught. And it's almost like the only reason you should ever try to hack and steal that much Bitcoin is just to watch the world burn. <laughs> yeah. Or just to it's prove not a, point. a very useful theft. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Just to prove it's a just, point it's and give just it back and like chaos like for a, the sake of chaos, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, but like the, the ethical hacker type stuff, right? Where you you prove sure. a point and you give it back and you earn a reward or whatever, you know. But yeah, it, it was just, absolutely it's just, goofy. It was so and funny showing... to me that they had billions of dollars of Bitcoin that they stole, and it was absolutely worthless to them because of the fundamental basics of Bitcoin. Yes, and they only ended up managing to, I guess, spend like maybe maybe a thousand or ten thousand dollars worth of it because That's they were wild. they were getting like five hundred dollar gift cards from Best Buy or like you know PlayStation or something like sure. that, you know, here and there, uh, and that was it. Man. That's so funny. But then that come so to find funny. out. They kept the private keys on a Dropbox folder. What? And the, yes. And the feds figured that out. And then they went That's to amazing. Dropbox and said, hey, can we have access to this? And they're like, yep, here you go. Yep, of course. Like, oh, here's the keys. All right, cool. Well, we're going to take that $4.3 billion worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. Wow. It makes me wish that I was just trolling big, I don't know, trying to hack Dropbox. No, that's not as easy. I know that there are <laughs> you know a lot that, of... Uh, no, the right uh, thing that, is, that sounds is, uh, terrible. Going putting, the right thing is going to. Did you see the the the? I did. The wordle. It's the enhanced wordle. That's hilarious. Yes, yes you that can just was go to great. Mask and put in twelve random words, and hopefully you find a wallet that's words. got something in it. That's so funny. Oh my gosh, yeah. that that is hilarious. Um, but also, what I I think I mentioned it um a few shows back, but I was reading um. You know, it was a Reddit post and somebody was just like, okay, I know I did something stupid. Can I get my, can I get my coins back? Um, they had put their private keys in GitHub uh, while they were working on some stuff. And within wow. like minutes, within minutes, a bot had, had emptied the account. Um, so there are just that's bots incredible. that are watching anything open and looking for anything that's of probably course. labeled private key or has a certain size, you know, like, yeah. but it's just, certain it's incredible to me that within... Within just a yeah. few, within a few minutes, a bot had drained an account because somebody was silly enough to put it out there. This is why people are afraid of the internet. <laughs> Stuff like For that, sure. Right? Yeah. No, no, I get it. <laughs> and, and this is this is why this is why folks like centralization, right? Because if if the bank gets hacked, it's the bank's problem. But if right. if your if your wallet gets drained because you put your private key on a sticky note, <laughs> then that's your problem. Mm-hmm. I don't. People aren't aren't people aren't usually walking around with their life savings, but you could conceivably have your life savings in a digital wallet, and that digital wallet, without any custodian, is uh, is open to risk, which is the downside of decentralization. So, it cuts yeah. both ways. Yeah, 
Golly, that story though was just nuts. I dropped it in our. Um, it is. That's crazy. In our TBP chat, and I can remember there's mm. there's a few other just wild Goofy aspects details. of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to go back and pull that. We can move on to other stuff. But did you see the? I, I'm betting you saw the nuclear fusion thing, and I think maybe I saw you retweet it from Bunks, if I remember correctly. I knew you'd be excited about that one. The uh, major breakthrough on nuclear fusion energy. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They. Uh, um, yeah. It was not not only the amount of energy produced, but the duration, which is a, a big deal. I guess it's in pulses, and I have not read closely the latest um, in what we're trying to do. But that was um, was it tarmac? Is that right? Am I saying that right? I forget. Not tarmac. Uh, it's it's the like UK-based Jet Laboratory. That's what you're right, asking but about. There, Where? there are two there are two different technologies that are basically the front runners for fusion right now. And one's it's a it's a termic termic, I forget the name. And then one's oh, I don't know. like an Ibec or something. I'll have to look them up. I, I read this. This is your job on the show. I didn't realize it. I know, right? <laughs> that's beyond um, that's beyond me. I don't know that. Anyways, there, yeah, there's two it, different kinds of reactors. And this one, this one uh, had a significant overproduction of energy, right? So it produced more energy than was put into it for the longest period of time. Now, keep in mind, this, this is like a tiny, tiny moment that we're doing these things, but it's such a big move forward. And um, I think if I remember correctly, they said it was like the multiple of the energy in to out was... I actually think it might have been less than one right now, so maybe it wasn't overproducing, but it's still a good proof of proof of concept because of how much uh, heat basically was generated and the fact that we kept it contained. Um, but the goal is to get to like a factor of ten, and I don't think it's as simple as just energy in equals ten x energy out. I, I don't I don't think that was the intent of the multiplier, but mm -hmm. um, th this was a huge jump forward, um, which is cool. Yeah, and, and if man, people don't understand exciting. this. If people, if you're listening to us talk about nuclear fusion for the first time, or listening really to Tyler talk about nuclear fusion for the first time, uh, if if we can successfully do this, if we can successfully manage to uh, to to hold it without it destroying the thing that it's being suspended in, you essentially have unlocked virtually unlimited supplies of low carbon, low radiation energy. That's it's really huge. not virtually Absolutely. unlimited. I mean, I guess technically we could burn this stuff up, but when we say virtually unlimited, it's like the, the heat death of the universe is the only thing that would prevent yeah. us from producing <laughs> That's a good point. fusionable materials, right? right. Like, I just try to not is... speak in absolutes unless I'm talking about Facebook, all right? No, so. no, it's true. It, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is technically accurate to say that it is yeah. virtually, but but I, I'm just putting that in, in context. That's like true. when When there were only, you know, a few it's how the stars burn people for, on the world know, there was a virtually yeah. limitless amount of of oil uh, it doesn't matter how many people are on the planet there is still virtually a limitless supply of fusion energy right. and and to put it in context right like um this experiment this one that's that's in the news right now which is great because it's like the fourth breakthrough or or push forward i feel like i've read about in the last six months which is just awesome mm -hmm. it produced 59 megajoules of energy over five seconds that's a crap load yeah <laughs> right yeah. and that's the point like this is this is the fuel source is like you said basically limitless and the amount of energy produced is unlike anything we've ever known and the outputs are not dangerous so um, it is, if we figure out fusion and we make it viable, uh, which we are getting so close, um, 
then then it will it will turn everything on its head as far as energy production goes and there's a ton of uh, a ton of the research is going into doing this on smaller scales as well as making um the 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 facilities themselves less expensive right because when when people hear nuclear they immediately think the giant silos and and you know fallout and stuff like that fusion doesn't have the same uh, radioactive implication so even if you flew a plane into a fusion reaction um, the the problem would be that you lost a lot of money and investment in it but you wouldn't have like the the equivalent of an atomic bomb having gone off so you don't right. need the ridiculous uh, regulation around what's protecting it basically because it's not nearly as uh, volatile in general um, which is just it's it's awesome. It is absolutely phenomenal technology, and it's so cool to see it getting closer and closer to uh, being commercially viable. Because um, yeah. we might actually see it in our lifetime, which is so great. Right. It's unbelievable. Is, yeah, I, we've. Uh, I hate it when I say that. It's unbelievable. ITER. It's ITER unbelievable. is the second one. Oh no, that's the facility. Okay, I'm trying to figure out what the. It's Tok Tokamak. Yeah. I think is the other one, and I still haven't found that. So I'm probably saying it wrong. Or another way of saying it though. They're basically they're creating a mini star, right? Yeah. Like a, 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 a burning <laughs> ball of gas, a mini sun. Yeah, you should say it that way. Oh, mini star, sun. No, so, no, you're right. No star, because yes. sun our is sun the name is of our star. star. Yeah. You're, you're right. right exactly. Star is the right way to yeah. say it. It's a mini star. Yeah, but yeah. but we have a sun, so it's like a baby sun. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a baby sun, and uh, you know, trying to hold a baby sun is not easy. That's the problem. No, but that, what is that? Hundred million degrees Celsius. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even kidding. It's uh, uh it, it takes an insane see. amount of In the pressure. Core of the sun, it takes up a... yeah. Huge gravitational pressures allow this to happen at temperatures at around 10 million Celsius. Yeah, but at, we're not at the, at the, the much sun, lower so pressures, yeah. At the much lower pressures that are possible on Earth, temperatures to produce fusion need to be much higher. Oh, that's what you're saying. hundred million Celsius. Yep. Oh, that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> yep. oh, it, that's a it's a big freaking number. Um that's that's wild. Yeah. So the Joint European Tourist Jet, that's the jet that you were talking about, um, ITER setup. I think ITER, and maybe I misunderstood that, but I think ITER might be the other uh, sort of competing technology. And I want to say that it's Tokamak is the, the other one. I still haven't seen it, so uh, I don't know for sure. But they're, um, they're front runners uh, technologically, which is really cool. And um, I think they're both directed plasma or something like that that's getting this done anyways i'm, I'm pumped i uh, add yeah. add this to like the i guess the near term future fingers crossed for batteries really having breakthroughs and like all all bets are off everybody's going to be able to power all the things and do cool stuff you can have battery powered jetpacks at that point right you can finally have bitcoin <laughs> bitcoin would still eat it all up no it wouldn't that's a lie that's a lie no oh man um, anyways i'm cool uh, or i'm I'm excited about that i'll be i'll be tracking it closer i do want to actually oh no it is uh so that iter jet is a tokamak re rejector or uh uh wow word just can't come out of my mouth um it is a to tokamak reactor and it is tokamak t-o-k-a-m-a-k okay I'll have to. Cool. All right. Well, there All right. Go. Maybe let's shut it down. The only thing out there. 
Cool. That brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Hope you all enjoyed it. We sure did. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for telling your friends. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. Bye.